0: hey everyone and welcome to another episode of comfort watch the podcast where we talk about the movies that we turn to time and time again i'm your host elizabeth and i'm joined by my little bespeckled nugget chrissy
1: who do who party people
0: how are you oh you know <laughs> <laughs> we're on the same way every time it's so you know we're just surviving thriving
1: I think if you ask anyone at this stage of their life how they're doing, it's like, you know, unless it's bad, unless it's bad. Yeah, there's no. I don't think. The, I think the high highs are gone. a lot lows can happen.
0: You're wearing the birthday present I got you. It's the first time I've seen you wear the birthday present I got you. I wear it all the time. For those who are obviously not in the room, <laughs> that was not are very in the room with us. Right, fitting now? for a visual medium. Chrissy's wearing this. Maine new england t-shirt that i got her because she loves new england yes you bought it
1: for me to bring to maine but you just bought it from HM in canada that's right but then i took it with me to maine
0: i always love when like retailers sell shirts that say like yale or harvard or new york city california yeah. but like they're not sold from there no but maine seems so niche like it's not like you know L.A., Los Angeles. <laughs> it was like, I was going to go to buy for her. Yeah. Fits your coastal vibe.
1: It's a very, I guess it's a very specific thing I like. It you is. Know? Not everybody's like, Maine, man. Yeah. But I am. You are. What did you get up to this week? Not a whole lot. Uh, I did see Oppenheimer finally. Mm-hmm. Um, Them white boys be... White boy in I don't know. It was it was nice to see all those white men get work. You know, it's so hard these days.
0: It is. It's really yeah. hard for white men out there. I'm not gonna say. St- you know,
1: it was a good movie. I don't have- as much as I want to be like Christopher Nolan, it's for the boys. I like that.
0: It was good. And how did you feel about Killian? Because you were talking shit about his appearance before, but I feel like you might be closer to my team now. I no. There was no arousal
1: within me of like
0: now i i think he's
1: hot but i i don't think i've ever looked at him for that long of a period of time and i no longer am scared of him well, that's good because i think he used to terrify me but no he was great in it i heard a lot of hype about like florence Pugh's nipples you know what they're not in it that much no i was waiting for this
0: like nipple fest well i've heard I could have taken more i've heard so much about that scene because my cousin who we talk about a lot on this podcast laura was supposed to go see this with her dad then heard about the sex scene and was like never mind i'll go by myself the
1: the actual only sex that takes place in the movie and it's between them is not gratuitous really at all mm-hmm. and it's not that bad. I don't know. I didn't find it that bad. I was like, "This is what everyone's worried about." I feel like it's very sexist to be like keep, they kept saying like Florence Pugh is so naked from the top up sometimes. Like, yeah, I don't
0: know. Yeah, I I asked you again. I was like, "What was it like in relation to Monsters Ball?" Because to me, that is still a scene <laughs> where even I was like whoa, they really went for it with this movie.
1: I think what it is is that there's a scene where they're just talking, like, sitting on separate chairs talking, and she's, I think she has, like, a dress on that's open or, like, a blanket that's, like, revealing part of her body, And but they're having a conversation that's really serious, and I think that might be what maybe gave people the willies, like, Mm. because it wasn't sexual, but it was just, like, we're just going to do this dialogue scene naked. Hmm. He has right. no top on either. I yeah. don't know. It was a good movie though. I really liked it. Everyone was great. Emily Blunt, obviously
0: ridiculous. She's so over the top, but so good.
1: Really over the top. Oh yeah, her characters, cuckoo
0: banana. I don't really know much about this movie, so she has like a like a new world accent. Ah yes yes yeah. my favorite accent
1: in film yeah she's pretty funny I liked it a lot I don't know I recommend that's good if I I don't recommend well, by the time this comes out probably won't be in theaters anyway but I don't recommend seeing it in theaters just because it's three hours long
0: okay you got if you gotta make if you're someone that makes peepees a lot I am I have a nervous bladder yeah I wouldn't do it well that's good I watched the entire series on Netflix Ultimatum marry or <laughs> move on yeah. I love trash television so much. I know, and I just love people who volunteer to air their dirty laundry on TV. Like that is a certain kind of hero that we all need. It's like, mm-hmm. I, but you're always like, who would do this? But then every time someone does, you're like, thank you for your service. So
1: many people are willing to do it. It's amazing. I wouldn't want. I, uh, as we know, neither of us want to be on camera. Never. At all. And I can't imagine then also like. Being drunk on camera or getting
0: crying on camera. Oh well, that's God. the thing. They ply them with alcohol on mm-hmm. these shows, and like you know that these people have jobs. Maybe like you know when this dies down, they're gonna have to go back to work, and everyone's yeah. gonna be like, "Yeah, I saw you shit face crying on TV." Yeah, I just always think of like my mom. Yeah. Like my mom
1: watching it and being like, "I
0: can't let my mom want I can't let my mom know I did that." It's also just weird because now I feel like the ultimate goal going on a show, is to be an influencer after. Yeah. That's something. all. Yeah. Like, The Bachelor. I don't even know, like, do people still watch Survivor? Some people still watch Survivor. I think so. But, uh, well, you know, Too Hot to Handle, <laughs> Temptation Island, Love Island. Like, you're just basically going to be like, I want to come out of here with at least 500,000 followers. Yeah, that's true. And, like, a Pretty Little Thing uh, partnership. <laughs> I
1: guess it's a good launching pad. It's just not one I would pick. No. Too scared. No. We're going to we're gonna get that famous, but with our little podcast. With our voices. Yeah. Just
0: our voices. Our voices. Before we get to the movie of this week, let's give our comfort recs. These are recommendations of things we've been watching, loving, living, laughing, that we feel make our lives a little bit comfier and a little bit cozier. What do you have for everyone this week?
1: So, even though... We're kind of on this like border of like colder weather, warmer weather. My favorite wintertime activity, and I'm prepping for it because I've just dropped some coins. Like doomsday prepping for it. (laughs) Canned peaches. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of beans in this house. I have been collecting on top of the mass I already own many puzzles lately. So I'm I'm big into puzzles. I'm not particularly good at them. It's kind of the fact that they take me a long time to do that. How do you be good at puzzles? Some people... People are good at... Pu- There's puzzle competitions. There are? There's, like, literally people under two minutes can do a 500-piece puzzle, and then they compete again.
0: Yeah. Get out! Win. Like, sight unseen, never seen this puzzle before? or are they train with this specific puzzle? No.
1: Sight unseen. Get Some out! Some people's beautiful minds. I don't have that. I... Um, it takes me a long time to get all the edge pieces... Um, I'm a slow mover, but I'm telling you, find a good podcast, maybe one, Actually, this like that'll be another recommendation. I'll recommend a podcast that I love on top of this. Find a good podcast. It's always good if it's one that's like, you know, has a complete story to it, but you sit there and you just focus on the pieces. Literally four hours could go by. I won't eat. I won't drink. I'll just be so focused on it. And it's I guess it's
0: time suck, but I don't know. It brings me peace. It's so funny to me because, like, I figure if you finish the puzzle, you're good at puzzles. No, I'm really not.
1: I did a puzzle. I did a 3,000-piece puzzle starting at Christmas this past year, and it took me until April to
0: finish it. And I spent hours on it those tiktoks where those fucking sons run up to their mom's finished puzzles and ruin them i would be so upset it's so mean what they do to them but it makes me so mad
1: no well the thing is i'm not precious about it i when i finish a puzzle i always like run my hand over the whole thing because it's like very sensory to feel all the pieces together then i just put it away and i get a new puzzle out uh i'm not i'm not precious about it usually take a photo but I probably have... I don't know. We're sitting in my puzzle room. How many how many puzzles did you say I have? 30? Yeah. No, maybe 20, I don't know. But uh, I have a specific puzzling table. We do not have a dining room table. I have a puzzle table. And uh, it's my joy. And um, one podcast I really got into this past winter while puzzling is um, one called Ologies. I don't really need to promote this podcast. She's one of the biggest podcasts out there. But Allie Ward has a podcast where she interviews different scientists um, about their ology, but she makes it fun, approachable, she swears, she talks about poop, she's funny. It's a great time. She's so smart. She does her own research on the side. She gives lots of like little sidebars to help explain more intense concepts. And then she finds really cool professional professionals who are working at, you know, at the zoos or at, you know, universities that are doing their PhD in something to do with microscopic squids. I don't know. And then they're usually really fun and interesting people. She does a really good job. Um, and you learn things. I don't retain it, but I learned <laughs> for about five minutes I can tell you a lot about turtles and then it just leaves my brain. But that's my recommendations.
0: Those are some good recs. Mine, I just finished the book Circe by Madeline Miller. Mm-hmm. And if this is not a new book. I'm so late to this game. I have talked previously on this podcast how I almost failed classics in university because Mm -hmm. I did not like the slander towards the movie Troy. (laughs) But this is about the Greek nymph Circe, who was a witch. And it's so it's not anything I would normally read. I love historical fiction, but not. Greek mythology, but I found it so captivating, so easy to read. Did I have Google open half the time to like learn about the characters mentioned? Yes. Pro tip, in the back of the book, there's actually an index. Really? I didn't know that till I finished the book and I was like, this would have been helpful on page two, (laughs) (laughs) but it was a great book. That's good. I also just finished the book *Ghost* by Dolly Alderton, Mm -hmm. which is a... I want to say Bridget Jones-esque book about modern dating. This girl lives in London. She's single for the first time. She goes online, meets this guy. They date for four months and then he just ghosts her. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like dealing with that hurt. And there's a whole bunch of how it focus makes her focus on other things that are going in her life. And it really touches on the dynamics of married friends, single friends in your 30s. Yeah. So if you're somebody who's kind of going through that or just loves a good read like that like i guess it would be contemporary fiction female focused this book is if i could write a book like i was jealous reading this book i was like this book is fucking genius let me borrow it it's it's fantastic so that is circe c-i-r-c-e and Mm. ghosts yeah you gotta let me borrow it when i'm done the book i'm reading which i don't know if last
1: week i told you i was reading yellow face and this week i'm on the same page still (laughs) So it's not that it's because it's not a good book. It's because also like I've had a puzzle with just the outline done for about a month. I don't like to let myself do like little hobbies because I own a business. So I'm always like, I should be working. I should be working. Do
0: you feel guilty when you do hobbies or anything for pleasure? Absolutely. And, but the thing
1: is when I actually then am able to do something else, I need to like decompress fully in a book. It's not going to do it. I need to like TikTok while laying down Mm. with like, snacks nearby like that's I, I either am working or i'm non-functioning it, or i'm like doing like things i have to do like errands or cleaning myself <laughs> there's no middle ground no there's the i i feel very guilty picking up a book because it's something that's like strenuous in a way that like i'm exercising my mind but i should be using that type of energy on my job interesting yeah i know it's kind of weird but
0: no that's something you can unpack in therapy <laughs>
1: <laughs> back in a bunch of other stuff right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the the U-Haul is full, and we're... is it a trailer hitch or are you like in a flat <laughs> uh, straight track? Or I always honestly, I always thought like I was just a trunk, like a, a, of a of a crossover, full of information and trauma. But it turns out, um, I actually this week when I had therapy, I was like, I'm gonna tell her, you know, I'm gonna do like a, a need to do basis. I'll let you know when I need you. And if you can't fit me for two weeks, I'll be fine. And then I cried for an hour and was like, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>
0: like, I had to rebook her. So it's been great. We recognize our privilege of being able to afford private care. Yes. We'll just blanket that because I know not everybody can. Mm-hmm. And that is what's fucked up about the world. Yeah. But therapy, the ultimate comfort wreck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last week, we kicked off our fall movie marathon with (laughs) sweet home Alabama. (laughs) This week, we went for what is probably one of the most beloved rom-coms, I would say, of all time.
1: Yeah. It's almost like untouchable, like pretty women, but we're doing it anyway, guys. It's you've You've got got mail. I was like, are you going to do it? I can't not do it. Mm Mm-hmm you've got mail this movie i don't even know how you handled watching it because you have so much trouble with old technology being just in anything yeah and this movie is just based on old technology like it's the so phrase good. itself like <laughs> that you used to get emails and they would tell you that you've you got one incredible oh, Like they must have happened so rarely because now every five seconds
0: they'd be like Old Navy has a sale, you know. Or no, the, the emails always kill me that you get because it's like, "Oh my god, your life depends on this email for Old Navy's latest sale," or it's exactly. like, "Your mom's being held hostage at the gap for 40% off." Like those are the level of intensity of these emails. But this movie, when I was watching it, I was like, "What is this like 96, 95?" No, no. 98. Yeah.
1: Wild. Very wild. It's it it, around the time I got
0: a computer, or like that we got the internet at home, dial up. Yeah, I was playing a uh, jazz ball. <laughs> did you have that? No. Oh, I was on the Magna, or not even Magna, I was on Encarta, just looking up random facts. Yeah, putting in different discs. That's right. You had to
1: figure out what disc things were on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we did a lot of. I was playing a lot of DOS games.
0: What it like? What is your relationship with this movie before we start? Because this is one that we put a call out on our Instagram. If you're not following us, it's at Comfort Podcast on tiktok and instagram and this was one that everyone said that they watch every fall
1: really yes so this is i didn't see this movie until a few years ago for the first time like i was a full-blown adult i think it's one of those things it's been on tv when we were <laughs> children and you catch clips of it coming in and out of the room you're like i've seen it yeah there's a lot of movies I feel like I've seen, but like, really, I couldn't tell you like the narrative structure of the breakfast club, but I've seen it. <laughs> like, but i have on what, what you, what used to be, was it peach tree or the yeah, Super Ferris Bueller day off? I've seen it. Yeah, of course. But I don't know if I could tell you like what you, also they cut it for commercials. Like I'm sure if we watched it, we'd be like, that's a scene I've never seen in my life. So like I knew, but I had never seen it. And so this is my, I think second full rewatch ever that we mm-hmm. did this week. So it's, not a comfort watch for me it might become one though because it was very cozy
0: yes i'm the same i you know we've said in a previous episode i hate a reteam yes i do not like when uh actors are in a different cinematic universe and i'm supposed to believe that they've never met fallen in love kissed worked together seen each other i don't know why it just kind of takes me out of out of it and this was Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks' third on-screen pairing. So they had oh, yeah, Joe versus the Volcano. What's
1: the first one? Yeah.
0: Then Sleepless in Seattle, which was also a Nora Ephron movie. Yes. And then You've Got Mail. So I think I always just kind of knew about this movie, but it came out post-Titanic. And I feel like my whole personality for just like from 97 to 2000 was Titanic.
1: Also, you're like, this isn't real love yeah they didn't cling on the side of an iceberg together this isn't what love is they're just emailing here's a shit (laughs) exactly they're just emailing (laughs) low stakes exactly (laughs) but it was such a cozy watch it was i know i honestly forgot it's it's honestly not just a fall movie it is fall briefly but it is i like movies that follow the season so it was nice that they had christmas and it ends in
0: spring that's I like that. Yeah, you see it, timeline. You understand things take time. Yeah, it was kind of Notting Hill esque in that way. But and we'll get into this. It even though a lot of it happens in spring, it's, yeah. it's predominantly viewed, at least in the meme culture, yeah, as fall. Yeah, it feels thanksgiving It big time Thanksgiving. Yeah, sure. A little bit about the movie. As we said, this was a Nora Ephron. Work of art. And in this house, we support women writers and directors. Mm -hmm. So it was co-written by Nora Ephron and her sister, Delia Ephron. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. But it was also directed by Nora. Mm -hmm. Previous to You've Got Mail, she directed Mixed Nuts with Steve Martin, (laughs) Sleepless in Seattle. Uh Uh-huh. And do you remember this movie, Michael, with John Travolta? I love that. What do you, what do you mean? I love okay, that movie. Because I feel like this is a movie that maybe not a lot of people watched. But really? I watched it all the time. I've talked about wanting to watch it
1: again. Because even in my family, my dad really likes pie. And he'll still sing the pie song for Michael. The pa, pa. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. We, as a family, we loved that movie. That was like a DVD we bought often.
0: Yeah, it's a. There's a few movies like that where I'm like, did anyone ever see the that, hit film Michael? That does
1: feel like a fever dream. Like John Travolta in like a trench coat with angel wings, touring. I don't even know. Like they were, I don't even know what the. I don't remember what the plot was. Me either. Just
0: like road tripping in some kind of way with Andy McDowell. On a serious note, I think I have like brain. fog. It could just be exhaustion, but I've been Googling like warning signs of like early onset because no. I'm so tired. I think it's just vitamin deficiency because your girls got brittle bones and tired blood. <laughs> but when I was just thinking of the plot for Michael, I was like... Isn't it just an angel in a trench coat in the South? Like, yeah. I didn't know what the. I can't bring myself to specifics, but I just know the feeling of it.
1: Oh, and can we watch this eventually? Absolutely. It's very niche. You, guys, you have to let us know if you're on board for such an interesting
0: watch. Maybe we'll do like an angels theme. <laughs> and it's like all dogs go to heaven. Angels in the outfield. Michael, what Tony Danza's is dying of a cough. Yes. And uh, Field of Dreams. Yes. Ooh. Send us your other angel movies. Yes. That's so good. Okay. Oh, my God. Good call.
1: Yes. There's got to be a month that's like the month of angels or something. We'll ask somebody. I don't know.
0: I think that's Christmas, but we have a (laughs) lot of heavy hitters coming up for Christmas. too busy.
1: You know, let's do it in like a March, a slow time. Maybe
0: Easter? Yeah. That's true. Biblical. Biblical things. Yeah. This film is based on an old play. I think I'm going to butcher this called. Parfumery and the movie Little Shop Around the Corner from 1940 with Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan. They obviously pay homage to that movie with the, the bookshop. Yeah. But the movie was formed by Nora as the sequel to, to Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. She said in Sleepless in Seattle, the central theme was is there one perfect person for everyone out there? Yeah. The central theme she said to this movie was, can you fall in love with somebody who is your exact opposite? So she said in the DVD commentary that her and her sister always say it as, could you fall in love with someone who is a Republican? Wow. That's what they said. So it's really this idea (laughs) of two opposites
1: just coming together. That meant something else back then, I think, because now they'd, they'd be like, no. Absolutely not. (laughs) Unfortunately, no. Not at all. Yeah, I think back then they'd be like, oh, you know, their views. Now it's like,
0: no, that's terrifying. Yeah, it's, I mean, no offense to anyone who doesn't share my political views, but I think we could all agree it'd be very difficult to get a very long-lasting relationship when you're on the different ends of the spectrum ideologically. Yeah, absolutely. Nowadays, especially. Especially. Yes, for sure. But this movie, Mamma Mia, <laughs> what a love letter to New York. Oh, that too. Yeah. I watched with my husband and all he kept saying was, <laughs> man, don't you really wish you could go to that town? <laughs> don't you really wish you could walk around, eat a slice? Yeah. And then I was like, no, because I'm not. I am.
1: You are. It goes against everything I like. I like quaint and small town, and but I'm an East Coast girl either way. I love New York. New York was is one of the most favorite places I've ever been to. I love it there. It's so different. It's like completely, like I was in Toronto yesterday and I kept saying to Jeff, New York is nothing like this. I know you'd think it's like we're in the New York of Canada, but we're not. No. It's, it's the vibe is just different. Like, I
0: don't know how to explain it. This isn't what it feels like. Well, I think movie New York is a very specific New York because they obviously shoot around the rats, the scaffolding, and the garbage. Yes. If well, I'm street, street level, it's a little different. Yeah, yeah, if I was, you know, going to show somebody what I think like would be a selling movie of New York, this would probably be one of them. Should we start? You want to start? Sure. I don't really know if I have any other factoids about it. Well, I want to hear about how you feel about the re-team. Okay, Because I have thoughts, and I want to know
1: your thoughts on the re-team.
0: So I usually hate a re-team. Yeah. And I'm not super familiar with Sleepless in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Meg Ryan, I feel like in the 90s especially, had this squeaky clean image of the girl next door, rom-com sweetheart, and it's warranted. She's fantastic and incredibly likable in every movie I believe that she's done. But there was this, like twinge coming up later her onset affair with russell crowe in 2000 that prompted her allegedly prompted her divorce from dennis quaid what movie proof of life don't remember it no yes and apparently their relationship was too marred by tabloid scandal to recover but that is like the one thing i think about when i think of meg ryan because i'm like oh we don't really know you do we And i'm sure we don't really know tom hanks hanks either no,
1: there's, uh, there's rumors about him as well, but...
0: But they're just such nice people that I almost was like, I'll give them a chance in this. Mm-hmm. Over Sleepless in Seattle. I think I enjoy this teaming better than the first one. Or sorry, the second one, I guess, cinematically. Yes, exactly. I think... So in Sleepless in Seattle, she plays almost the
1: exact same character. Mm-hmm. It's very similar. And also, she, she, it's just swap Bill Pullman for Greg Kinnear exact same scenario. He's, you know, just seems like a guy who's like, okay, we get married now and this is what we do and we're together and she's looking elsewhere and she's not really connected to him and falls in love with a man on the radio, falls in love with a man over emails. It's kind of the same movie. The only difference is that Tom Hanks has a personality in this movie, whereas Sleepless in Seattle, they really don't give him much to work with. He's just a nice guy. He's a dad. He seems kind. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this movie, he's got like past family like trauma yeah he's got lots chips on the shoulders lots to deal with we know the name of his boats
0: like there's lots going on yeah in this movie just for those of you who haven't watched it they play bookstore owners meg ryan is an independent children's bookstore owner called the shop around the corner Mm -hmm. and tom hanks plays a son of like a wealthy barnes and noble style uh chain of bookstores that basically puts meg ryan's business out of business business. yeah and all the while unbeknownst to them they are having this anonymous email love affair with each other yes it's so crazy to me because like My idea of chat rooms (laughs) is in the 90s, like, getting together with your friends at a sleepover and pretending to be, like, someone completely different and being like, ASL. Yeah, a sex location. And chat rooms got so dangerous Mm -hmm. that the fact that these two characters met in a chat room for over 30s in New York... To me, I'm like, isn't that special? That's not at all how I figured that it I would. Wait. I was, I forgot that
1: part altogether. I kind of hoped it was something else that, like, he accidentally emailed her or something, and she was like, "No, wait, like, I don't know." I just wished it was something else than we met in a chat room and then we took it to email.
0: I don't know it's, that part. Uh, I think it's strange because. I don't really remember that time of email where, or even about online relationships where there was nothing inappropriate in a sense, other yeah. than the fact that they were both in relationships that I think would be the emotional, like they're having an emotional affair. Yeah. But every time I think of someone meeting on the internet, I think of something incredibly dangerous. Yeah. A little bit salacious. Like mm-hmm. I don't think of good things. No, but this is so wholesome. The e- What do you think of their emails to each other? Because I don't, did they say how long? They've been emailing each other in the beginning. I don't know if she says how long, but it, it's been a bit. Shopgirl and NY152.
1: Um, So I actually wrote down one of her like emails to him because it was funny because it was something that like I had talked about that day in therapy. (laughs) Read it. (laughs) It was early on in the movie. So she goes, sometimes I wonder about my life. I lead a small life. Well, a valuable but small life. Small and sometimes I wonder, do I do it because I like it or because I haven't been brave? So much of what I see reminds me of something I read in a book. When shouldn't it be the other way around? I don't really want an answer. I just want to send this cosmic question out into the void. So good night, dear void. But talking about, you know, do you keep your life small and safe and comfortable without, you know, and that means you don't experience things. You don't experience lots of things or big things or, you know, take big swings. Or do you, I don't know, try something, leap into new stuff?
0: I actually wrote this down too. Really? I wrote down small but valuable life because I feel like so much of that idea is blamed on social media these days. The idea that everybody has to be famous, have a podcast, yeah. <laughs> you know, have these grand life and experiences that they're sharing. But really, to me, the fascinating thing was that this feeling predates that. Yeah. So it's always been kind of this emotional, existential feeling of what am I here for and what am I doing? And if I'm doing it, is it good enough? That I think was refreshing to see because it's, it's not just about the social media world that we live in. Yeah. It's always been this inner ache of what am I doing?
1: It's basically FOMO and the fear of like yeah not not stepping outside your your little existence to to see if there's more out there but i love the thing like the i read things in books things things in life remind me of a book and not the other way around like she should be experiencing things and then when she reads a book later she should go i already experienced that
0: and i think the modern equivalent is i've seen a tiktok i've seen it online yeah But should I experience it for myself? But then Mm -hmm. there's also another layer to that now of, am I really experiencing it if I'm just putting it out there for people to see that I've experienced it? Yeah, exactly. What a mindfuck. I know.
1: <laughs> Which, like, uh, you know, personally, I've taken, like, a bit of a step back from my personal social media. I don't, like, I post stories and stuff that are, like, my dog, dumb other things. But, you know, I can go full days where I actually do stuff, go places, try restaurants that, like, you could tag and seem like you're cool. And I don't mention it. And I don't post about it because it's not valuable to me. Like, t- I don't like feeling like I need likes. So I try not to, like, ascribe to it. But it's
0: kind of hard. It's kind of hard to not want to... Well, it's like a skill almost to how do you exist in a world where so much of it nowadays is online. Even professionally, our jobs take us online. Mm-hmm. So how do you build that skill if you don't ascribe to it ideologically? Yeah. Or as, as your belief system? I thought that it was interesting because we see that this, these two characters are really unhappy with their current situations. Yeah. I don't think that we are supposed to believe that Tom Hanks's Joe Fox believes in the work he does. I think no. he's just kind of a cog in this familial business of we make yeah. money, we put things out of, like out of business. I thought they would express that more Maybe they do in uh, deleted
1: scenes or something. Yeah, I felt like they would have like he would have shown not remorse, but like uh, you know, this is the life I was born into and you know, I don't know it any other way. Right, type of
0: thing instead of being... He's very much like, this is how I exist. Get on board. Yeah. Yeah. And then I wonder with Meg, Ryan's character, Kathleen Kelly, we learn that she took over this bookstore for her mother. So she's inherited this dream from her mother and is keeping it going for her mother. She briefly touches on it when the store closes that, you know, now she has opportunities to do new things. Yes. But I wish it was a little articulated a bit more of is this my dream or is this me hanging on to my mother yes. instead of letting go of letting go of her?
1: I think, yeah, they didn't really dig into it but that's the vibe I got that she was kind of like, you know, this place was kind of a burden anyway in the end. Like, I felt like I, I had to live in my mother's footsteps because everyone praised her. Mm-hmm. But I think it was still like, very sad for her
0: but there's also that part about you know she we learn that she lives and breathes children's books she knows um, what she's talking about when she's giving personal recommendations she has these relationships with children as they grow so when she's talking about small but valuable life It really is the idea of what is legacy, right? Is it how you make people feel, how you will be remembered? And it's the dichotomy of Joe being so impersonal and removed from a business sense and Kathleen being emotionally a part of this community and these people's lives. And having big business put that out is like just a commentary on capitalism, essentially. Oh, absolutely. Look at us. (laughs) Look at us talking about stuff like we know what we're talking about. (laughs) are they? I have no idea. One um, thing I wanted to talk about was just like the great Kinnear relationship of it all before we go into duress yeah, because sure. I love a Kinnear. You do? I do. Okay. A Little Miss Sunshine? Yes, but he's terrible in that movie. Not like, sexually. I just mean, I just love him in film. I think he's a highly watchable actor. Oh, he's a great actor. Yeah. But he stresses me out. Insufferable in this movie. That's, I think that's why he's great. He's unlikable. He is... You know when we were talking in the other episode about uh, how I like Jesses who are like against modernity and yes. and you like the Logans of the world? Yeah. Um, we, that was in our most recent episode. So you're, you're Greg Kinnear and I'm a Tom Hanks? No. Greg Kinnear essentially fall, like is closer to that Jess archetype, but is driving me up the fucking wall every time he <laughs> sp- speaks yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Using a typewriter. Yeah. And Tom Hanks collects typewriters. <laughs> Fun fact about this movie, Meg Ryan got her first computer while making this movie. Wow. Isn't it that? was 1998. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it was. Do you think she had to do like all the right type like we had to do in school <laughs> to learn oh, how yeah. to type? Did they know all well, typewriters were they, how, they...
1: She probably hit it so hard because you use so much force to use a typewriter, it's probably a bit of a mindfuck.
0: How loud was a typewriter? <laughs> Jesus... Crisp. I couldn't. I don't think I could deal with how loud that was. No. What do you think of Parker
1: Posey's character? So I love Parker. Park, I love Parker Posey. Like she has always been one of my favorite actresses. I think amazing in every role, and I I didn't think she was unlikable. I, I think that like she was too young for Tom Hanks, a little too like like bubbly, loud career chasing. Like, he didn't seem to like... She's a little manic. She's a little manic, but I thought she was still very likable. I just think they weren't a good pair, whereas I felt like Greg Kinnear was, like, not likable. But Parker Posey, I thought, was still great. Like, she just wanted
0: to talk about her work and stuff, but he was like, oh my god. Until the elevator scene, did they really be like, oh yeah, she's not really considerate or emotional? I forgot about that scene. They really... They really turned it up with that. But every other scene
1: leading up to that and then after, she's not that that bad. Right. But the elevator scene
0: seemed insane. So do you think it's warranted, given how terrible their partners are, that they are essentially cheating on them the whole time emotionally? Uh, I, not
1: warranted, but it just seems like the relationships were not great to begin with. And that, well, we found out Greg Kinnear was like, basically... They admit to each other they don't love each other. We're going to get into that. Okay. I, I don't like how this was done. But yeah, I think that they, would, they wouldn't they would even be upset about it, it seems like. We see each character has a foot out.
0: Yeah. I feel like all four of them did. One of the things that I really laughed about was this idea that Meg Ryan is so small business, and yet they both go to Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> That's literally Jeff went,
1: smart, smart, small business, eh? when he saw her cup and I was like but this was it's hard to describe if you weren't there and weren't like conscious during this time the height of this like techie coffee like the coffee is such like a thing in this movie but, and that's why it's like Gilmore Girls, general same time period. It was a Starbucks coffee, getting weird coffee drinks, techie stuff. I don't know how to explain it.
0: It's just the vibe of coffee the time. Coffee culture. It was the vibe of the time. The way this movie starts with them kind of trotting along, passing each other in their neighborhoods, the little pockets of New York, gives us one of the most memeable Meg Ryan moments with her carrying the pumpkin. Yes. Yeah. And I love her entire look in this movie. It mm-hmm. is like witchy kindergarten teacher sometimes. Yeah. In the fall. In the fall. With when people layer a turtleneck over like a like a von Trapp made of curtains dress. Yeah. It's so, like, I would never think to do that. No. But I see people redo it now, and I'm like... It looks so chic. So chic.
1: But I I would look like a little little drowned muffin if I tried to do that. I'd be bulky.
0: Yeah. Very bulky. It's hard not to do. But she looks like she is going to teach the shit out of the meaning of Halloween to some kids in a store. (laughs) Like, doesn't she look like peak kindergarten teacher mode? Absolutely. That's how she dresses this whole movie. Yeah, they did a good job.
1: With that with her she's definitely like everything aesthetically especially because the store's like all wood and there's little things everywhere and like things stuck to the wall and it's it's they did a good job with the set but like she blends right into like that whole like kind of little magical
0: children's vibe and she has that other um rom-com trope which we should add to our bingo card of loves fresh flowers yes and if you noticed When she goes to the flower shop in the beginning, one of the flower the shop workers is pregnant. Yeah. And then later on in the show, it says it's a girl in the window. So there's like detail. I didn't even notice that. That is a good detail. Detail. Details. Um, what do you think about the Steve Zahn of it all? Random. So good.
1: (laughs) You know I love a side character, love little like when they cast really good people to be these little bits he wasn't necessary at all they didn't really even say what his job was at the store but
0: he was quirky and fun and you know yeah I liked him a PhD candidate yeah who just loves books and I loved seeing um the girl I think her name's Heather Burns she's from Miss Congeniality yeah I was
1: gonna say what is she from it's Miss Congeniality yeah
0: and what is all in the family woman's name again oh I looked it up because I couldn't remember her Jean
1: Stapleton oh yeah she's great too I don't think I've ever seen her in Mm -hmm. anything else other than all in the family same but i love that she also plays piano in it which she does in all in the family and isn't she like what she's super rich how'd she say oh she bought stock in something when it was really small and now she's loaded she just works there for fun yeah i love it yeah she's great and she has like what you picture like an older person who lives in new york and ha- has had an apartment like a probably a rent controlled apartment for the last 50 years like it was filled with clutter filled with things and they're at this like dining room table it's just stuff
0: everywhere and that's exactly what i picture the set design of this movie was fantastic absolutely the bookshop in real life was an antique store hmm. the meg ryan's apartment is like pre-shabby chic coziness i loved her apartment yeah was i love it for her that it's like supposed to be a one bedroom essentially yeah but with this oversized furniture yeah it still felt very like cramped very yeah again stuff everywhere i love it though like lots of shams yeah lots of <laughs> striped uh fabrics and things like that yeah a, a fact that i read is that nora efron hates the color blue on camera oh so nothing if you notice the characters aren't wearing blue interesting nothing on in the set is really blue Hmm. and i just think that level of detail i yeah. just i would it would totally blow me by or like when you look at it and you're like did you notice that in the beginning they're doing this, but then later it's a callback? Like when fi- like film nerds say that yeah. stuff, I'm like, wow, I was just wondering about uh, the hair. Yeah, I was just... Well, so
1: was I. Do you have the same question I have about the hair? I don't know. Just <laughs> Do <you laughs> go fun, ahead. Fa- Do you have any fun facts? No.
0: <laughs> Is it a wig? I don't know.
1: Okay. She has no scalp, but I get it. She's doing like the crisscross applesauce hair thing. But specifically during the scene where she's sick maybe that was like a reshoot but there was many parts where i'm like this is a let's see this is like an ellen DeGeneres halloween costume wig
0: that hair is so severe unmovable like it looks plastic it is the shaggiest cut that i feel like we saw everyone's mom i feel like it was post-rachel world Mm -hmm. but it was like there was never, there was one scene where it's styled differently when yeah. her and Joe become friends. Yeah. But other than that, it doesn't move. No. Nope. It doesn't catch the breeze. Exactly. This is why I'm
1: concerned. And it has, it has lots of Because she has very like curly hair based on... Oh, When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Isn't her hair curly in when, when Harry Met Sally? Because I'm, I'm always someone who goes, wig, wig. And this time I was like... Uh, maybe
0: I, it's I, not. Maybe she just has really thick hair. So thick. And hair to shit. Like a lot of dippity-doo wax. You know what?
1: I had hair like that at the time. And I would have, yeah, my pomade. You warm it up in your hand and you get your little pieces and you like pull them into place. And you twirl the ends so they'll
0: flip. Oh yeah. So according to an article from E! News, Meg Ryan's hair was becoming... A little too iconic and it was making her quote-unquote uneasy because she had this sally Hirschberger shag cut
1: mm-hmm.
0: so <laughs> matthew shields hershberger's protege was brought on to save the tresses and the movie by making it a bit more kathleen-esque by adding some fullness on top and trimmed it every three weeks he obsessively took photos for continuity and became ryan's secret spy as he would go watch the dailies giving her feedback on her performance So that is a lot to think about about hair. It wasn't a wig, but it was
1: tended to. And like, it was like manufactured in the sense that a wig would be. Some
0: might say Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, weren't in a thruple with her hair. Like, but to get that density and volume. Yeah. Wow. Like, does she have like Greek in her family? Like, how does she have that much hair? Meg Ryanopolis is her real last name. What is it? What's her last name? (laughs) So many th- Is it Margaret Ryan? It's actually Margaret Mary Emily Ann Hyra. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Polish descent. Okay, mm-hmm. this tracks. Interesting. Sorry, I lo- I sent us down a rabbit hole. Cause... No, but I had a lot of thoughts about the hair because I also have issues with the eyebrows. Oh. <laughs> How could you not? The they... eyebrow behavior in this movie is unacceptable mm-hmm. for a tel- like a movie star. Uh, they started halfway across her eye like where was they weren't sisters they weren't twins they weren't even there they were foreign exchange students (laughs) i don't understand how there was not a conversation around maybe we pencil them in Mm -hmm. like take a little more like attention that you've given the hair and put those toward the eyebrows because they were distracting me by how poorly they were done you're trimming every three weeks so the little trimmings glue them back on and a little placement and we didn't really think about our eyebrows or we, take care of them in the nineties. Filling in your
1: eyebrows was not a thing back then. It just wasn't. It, when I remember when that started to become a thing, I was, I, I was like, I never thought of my eyebrows as a thing that required makeup. No, ever in my life. Ever. It I was know such a heart weird concept. There was like the Drew
0: Barrymore like really fine. Shaving your eyebrows and then drawing like a little half moon. That's something. That was almost like 20s-esque the 90s. But these eyebrows were so, so terrible. They took me out of so many scenes because I couldn't just let them go. Yeah. I wonder if they could have like fixed that in post digitally.
1: <laughs> yeah, if they do like a... T- Digitally remastered for the 40th, 30th anniversary.
0: I would love to have that done. <laughs> That'd be great. Okay, so what do you think of the meeting between Joe and Kathleen the first time at her bookshop?
1: I So at first I was thinking like, man, this whole plot of him having like his, he has a brother who's way too young, for, like way younger than him. And then an aunt who's way younger than him is dumb. But then I remembered that's the catalyst for the whole plot is that mm-hmm. he goes into her shop The thing I don't like about it, and this is the thing I don't like throughout the movie. Tom Hanks is always in on it, and Meg Ryan isn't. Even before he does, he he doesn't know that they're emailing each other. But even he's the one who finds out, and she doesn't know. He's always knows who she is, where they stand in the world, what he's doing to her. Like, for her, like he's the biggest problem in her life. Mm-hmm. And he's pretending he's not him. And I don't (laughs) love... It's not that I don't love that as a plot for a movie. That's fine. But if I wouldn't be so like, oh, I want to date you. Because I'd be like, you knew the whole time everything that you were doing to me and to my business. And you acted like, I'm just a patron here with my my aunt who's a baby. Like... (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't think in the beginning that it was that bad because obviously there would have been a lot of conversations around what his business is doing. I don't think he needed that confrontation. No. I didn't get the vibe at all that it was supposed to be like a meet cute, now we fall in love. I just thought it was an interesting way to come together because he sees her inner element where she's loving all these children. I don't know if you've been around children. (laughs) I don't think I could work in a bookstore with children. No. At all. And one of the things that I was gonna say is about <laughs> like these books were really expensive that that he's paying for in nineteen ninety eight. Yes, I know. That is not a prosperous business model. No. He was so surprised by the prices. And if you've ever been shopping with a child, all the whole thing is you just saying you have that at home. Yeah. You don't need that. You need that at home. Also, haven't you heard of a library? So I feel like there's a lot of blame being put on Fox Books for putting this children's expensive (laughs) bookstore out of business when in reality, it's just hard times living in New York. That's true. I just thought that that
1: meeting would change would give him some kind of like motivation to change the way he was going to conduct his business or like he was going to pre- present to his father what let's not have a children's sex section at the book our bookstore because kids are gross and we're gonna have coffee and we're gonna have we want people to want to hang out and mm-hmm. it'd be a quiet space let's just not even do kids books something like that i thought he was gonna turn around and be like i've seen this woman in her
0: element I want to help her. But he just goes ahead his point. There is a really weird dynamic between the two because even right from the jump, she's talking outwardly negatively about Fox Books. Yeah. And then throughout the whole movie, he's kind of encouraging her through email knowingly. Yes. To stand up for him. No, he doesn't oh, know he that, doesn't that it's know her. So later, Sorry. But he still does later. Knowingly encourage her to speak her mind and he kind of goads her into these like mm-hmm. um, confrontations. I don't. I can obviously see chemistry when two people hate each other. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I find like I was just kind of waiting for to really believe they're in love. I always believed he was in love with her. I never believed she was in love with him. I don't think she, that's the thing. She didn't have all the information. So we see all these other things
1: that are happening and his behavior, but she doesn't know any of it's going on. So yeah, you can believe he's in love with her because he's fully aware of the whole situation. He knows who she is. She doesn't know who he is. She doesn't know even what he looks like. He knows what she looks like. I don't know. I just feel like it's... Yeah, I I, believe it. I think that she could be in love with him, but maybe it's because she's sad because she just lost her business and her boyfriend.
0: Oh, she didn't really care about losing her boyfriend. Which brings us to that breakup scene. (laughs) That's how I would have loved to be broken up with. Mutually, amicably.
1: It does sound great. The part I didn't like about it. So she says or she lets him go first and he says she goes you're not in love with me are you and then he goes yeah and she goes i'm not in love with you either so it's great and they're so happy but then she goes like are you like do you like somebody else and he goes well and she goes is that girl that was like flirting with you on the news and he's like nothing's happened but like i want stuff to happen essentially i'd be like fucker we were still dating five minutes ago i wouldn't no, that would hurt my feelings. Because I'd be like, you thought we were boyfriend-girlfriend. But she was emotionally not in love with him the whole time. I know, but I can't be like, I'm so happy for you that you are you were
0: planning to
1: cheat on me, essentially. The
0: petty and me would have thrown out. Yeah, well, I've been yeah. having a romantic affair with someone the whole time The man on the internet But I don't know his name or what he looks like It's just so strange Usually what happens when I was broken up with Is someone just stops answering my text messages Yeah And then I get a couple white wines in me Yeah And I make them realize why it was a good idea <laughs> to break up with me yeah. in the first place Yeah A face-to-face breakup amicable I Wow, know. The 90s And, like, it looked like they hadn't even ordered their food yet, and I'd be like, I gotta, I gotta go. They just had wines on the table. Yeah. Like, no. And they paid for their movie tickets and then just bailed on the movie. I know. No, I'm all about, um,
1: amical breakups, cool. But, like, it was just weird that he was like, yeah, there is somebody
0: else. And it's like, I would never tell her that. Well, she doesn't need to know that. No, she doesn't need to know, but it definitely alleviates her guilt and, like, allows her to move on so fast.
1: Yeah. I do think, though, like even though she was, like, obviously emotionally invested with this man she was talking to on a computer, until she agreed to, like, meet up with him, that it wasn't, it didn't seem like she was trying to have a relationship with him. Maybe in her mind, she it was either Greg Kinnear or Tom Hanks, but I don't think it was something that was supposed to be, it didn't seem, like, sexual. It's not like they were, like, saying, like what are you wearing? And stuff like that. It was like intellectual. It was intellectual. And like, I don't know if I'd be happy if I found out my partner was emailing someone back and forth. But if I read them and they were all like, just, I saw something on the train today. I don't think I'd be like, you cheated you on know me. <laughs> you know? Like, it, it didn't, it seemed very innocent.
0: Yes. And it brings us to their meeting. Yes. Well, the meeting where Tom Hanks finds out that it's Kathleen Kelly. Mhm. Allegedly, Dave Chappelle, Tom Hanks pushed for Dave Chappelle to be Bubba in *Four* Gum. Uh, oh, really? And when oh. he didn't do it, he asked for him to be I involved in this movie. I thought it was such movie. a weird cast. I was like, "Why is Dave Chappelle here
1: of all the places?" But I was like, "Get the cash when you can," I guess. Like,
0: he had apparently like free reign to improvise in this movie and do whatever he wanted to do. Dave Chappelle is
1: Bubba. No
0: thing. I mean, it would have been. A moment.
1: I know, but I think why Bubba works so well it was like a relative unknown True. guy. Because you, you're you also getting... Oh my God, I could talk forever about Forrest If we ever did Forrest Gump, it'd be like a four episode. <laughs> we can't do it. I love Forrest Gump so much. And anyone who says they don't love Forrest Gump is just trying to be cool. You're not cool. No. You can't not love that movie. It's yeah. the most quotable movie of all time. I would say so. We, we One quote of it, them.
0: We quoted all the He's on vacation. <laughs> We don't even do the hits. No. No, we don't even do the hits. No. But I think um, that that duo is pretty, I think as far as, you know, a, a movie bestie and like confidant goes, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Dave and Tom. I could have used more
1: Chappelle, actually. Me too. Just a little bit, just to get to know more of his character and what... You don't really get to know what Tom Hanks likes to do for fun. I did love, throwback to the Barbie movie, that there was several references to The Godfather.
0: (laughs) Yes. That was so funny. Yeah. It was like Greta watched this movie. I know she did. She must have. And was like, yeah, we've been talking... Men talk about The Godfather all the time. I literally pointed at the TV and looked at my husband and I went, Greta, no! She definitely saw it. She knew. The whole time? Because even... And, and
1: then even Meg Ryan, like, to, to test the theory, goes to Greg Kinnear. Have you seen The Godfather? And he goes, like, of course. Yeah. I love that. I did think, and in that, the moment where Tom Hanks is, like, quoting The Godfather, and every moment he's emailing, I think his physical comedy, there's one point he's, when he's emailing her to lie to her about why he didn't show up to the date, he's a bobblehead. He never stops moving. No, he doesn't. But I love, I think his, like, physical comedy is so good. He's a gift.
0: Oh, to cinema. Absolutely. I wonder where this trope of wearing a red rose to recognize each other know. comes from. If anyone's listening knows with their cinematic history, like where that comes from. Yeah. Because I thought it was so funny. What is she waiting with a red rose? Yeah. And then she, 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 is. she is. Yeah, oh, It was so good, so though. Typical. So,
1: yeah. So, earlier in the movie, she does learn who... So, she runs into Tom Hanks at her own shop when he's with his, his aunt and brother, to buy them stuff, and he doesn't reveal who he is, even though his brother keeps yell- saying F O X, because their last name is Fox and they own Fox. She does then meet him, it's introduced to him at a party. Mm-hmm. And she learns that that actually act- is him. And, you know, he was hiding his identity from her. And then also he does, like, a very unlikable thing where he just scoops all of the caviar off the plate. But she feels comfortable enough. This is where I think they, like, you can see the chemistry. She starts taking the caviar back off his plate and yes. putting it back on the tray and being like, that caviar is for everyone. And, like, that comfortableness is so great. So at this point, she does know who he is. So when he is supposed to show up to a date with her and looks in the window and sees that it's her. He decides to go in anyway, but not reveal that he is the secret person who's been talking to her. And she just thinks this asshole is walking into this... this- I don't even know what it was, like a little cafe. And now she has to deal with him. And
0: he plays it up. He plays up finding out how she feels about him. Like he's asking her questions about who is this guy? And I think he's doing it to say does she really like me? Like, is this... Who is she really outside of this person that I know? Because everything's coming into place. And I liked that about him, where he's putting on this bravado of like, I bet you like Mr. Darcy. Yeah. And he's just pushing her. I do, but at the same time, that's something looking
1: back later. I don't know if immediately I could get over that fact that like... I thought I was stood up by someone that I thought was, like, the love of my life. And then you walked in and were like, oh, you were stood up? Oh, that happened to you? Like, well, fuck. Like, I would have, looking back, when she, <laughs> she realized the, all the connections, I'd be like, you fucker.
0: No, no. Give me a minute. It's a process. It's a weird... It is weird because when eventually she tries to, like, slander his names in the press, try to, like, rally troops yeah. around the business. This is when social media would have been. She ha- has to close. He hires George to come work for him. hmm And... I think that shows like a little bit of heart that like he's like, there are people who have gone out of business Mm -hmm. because of me. Yeah. But then he does this like mea culpa of going to her apartment with daisies to try and befriend her. And again, of crossing like intimacy lines. He sits on her bed. He sits on her bed. While she's in it. And then he scoots even closer and sits like right up at her at her bed. I hope, I didn't even check. Did he have his indoor shoes on inside? They never take off their shoes. She probably had her outdoor shoes on. She had a trench coat on. If there's ever a movie that says, please take off your shoes, especially in New York, especially in a city. This is real life. Yeah. This is real life. A woman wrote this. Yeah. But he kind of just goes into her kitchen, starts making her tea. Yeah. There is this, you're right, this daring to like push each other a little bit. Yeah. Invade each other's space. Exactly.
1: And it seems, it does seem, okay, it does seem romantic. But again, I'm like, put yourself in the perspective of Meg Ryan. She has no idea what's happening. This man is comfortable with her. The fact that she doesn't need to be comfortable. At this point, I think that they've met at a party once. He came into a bookstore. She didn't know who he was. And then they, at the cafe, he was mean to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And now he's in her her apartment, sitting on her bed. And I know she's like sick and like kind of delirious, but like I don't know.
0: The whole thing of I being mean, like, is she not like? The f- <laughs> what the? Yeah, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing in here? <laughs> Why are you How do you know party? where I live? That's what I said. George though told him. Still weird. George, we can't be giving out people's addresses. Here's the thing. I
1: love that if he wanted to, he would, and he's doing it. Yeah. Right. But there's also a line of
0: should he be? It's that thing of. um. Okay, one of the reasons why I like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan as an on-screen couple, and I don't, this is going to sound so terrible, but when I'm looking at this movie, it kind of, like, they could be, like, anybody who I grew up with's parents. Like, they're movie stars, but they're not, this isn't Brad Pitt and uh, Julia Roberts. Like, they they're attractive people. Yeah, but regular, regular attractive. Yeah, approachable, approachable, attainable, attainable for sure. Yeah, which I love about their pairing, which yeah. I feel like is why they do so well. I guess. Together.
1: Yeah, you believe that they'd be in the careers that they're in, and that they'd find each other in New York because they're not—they're not the the pretending like Sex and the City style. The, I'm saying movie and forward style of New York of. Everything has to be high-end. Everyone has to look a certain However, way. However, he's a multimillionaire.
0: He is, but he's, he says the books in her shop are too expensive. Exactly. But there's always that thing in movies like we talked about with Sweet Home Alabama. If he was poor, if this was flipped, and he was the out-of-work book store yeah. owner,
1: I think she'd still go for it. Would she? I think so. I don't think the talk of money. I think his money in, would is actually more of a red flag to her than a more of a negative. I'd put it for her. If she was making a pro con list, it'd be in the con because she's probably like he's an asshole. He's got lots of money.
0: But when I was saying things like, there's always that there's a creepy element to the idea of what he's doing, of keeping secrets from her. Yeah. But there's also the romantic element because we know that he's. Non-threatening. Like, if this was Dateline, I'd be like, the whole time I'd be like, he did it. I know, he did it. But, like, picture if they
1: took clips, just parts of the movie apart, and then they played, like, Taylor Swift's mastermind over it. Oh, that's a great Taylor Swift song. We should ascribe every movie a Taylor Swift song. (laughs) This one. Because if you really think about it, again... I think that we're so kind of fucked up that like this is romantic that a man would want to manipulate you into loving them true and not in like any of the typical ways where they like remove you from your family and your friends or make you sure that you depend on them financially like that's like the scary way but he is literally like even i don't know do you want to talk about like i don't want to get rushed to the end but even in like the you know when she's finally going to meet up with him right before that he goes you know if it wasn't this guy could it have been me I love... I cried. It's a great... It's a great scene because it's
0: also very, like, downplayed and, like... I find him so sexy in that scene. (laughs) Yeah. When he's saying, if you weren't Little Shop Around the Corner and I wasn't Fox Books, there's just such a vulnerability. Yeah. The one thing I noticed, and this is kind of just my tism (laughs) showing... I feel like the sound was dubbed over in post. Yeah. Because obviously, shooting in New York City yeah. is a little loud. Yeah. It kind of took me out a little bit I know, that it it's was hard, like, eh? it just, th- just for continuity's sake, took me out. Yeah. I fucking loved that speech to him. Of yes. course, written by a woman. Yes, absolutely. But he's like, for as long as we both shall live. The fact that she didn't just smooch him right there. I know. And she's we- she is wearing a Von Trapp outfit again. Yeah. She goes to meet up with who's going to be the love of her life in a linen dress and sweater set. I know. And she's wearing blue jeans, a t-shirt, and a cardigan when she's wandering around with him. Mm-hmm. And I said to my husband, that look, minus the hair, mm-hmm. literally what everyone's wearing, except Absolutely. they have Samba sneakers on. Absolutely. Man, like it was minus the hair back around in style.
1: (laughs) But when you actually think about the fact that he says that whole speech to her, he's priming her for him being the one that shows up. In that moment he's going, don't you want it to be me, and she's like, I do, but I have to like see this through. And then when he comes around the corner with Brinks or Brinkley
0: or whatever the what is that dog's name? Brinkley. I didn't see it that way. See, I didn't. see it as he's priming himself to see is if sh- is she going to be mad when she realizes it's me. He's shooting his shot kind of as himself to yeah. see is there any hope that she'll be like, I do love you too. Or is she going to be, what the fuck, when she runs, when he rounds the corner? That's the ultimate guy's dream, though, to know
1: they aren't going to get shot down. Yeah. Like, he was able to literally test the waters
0: for weeks. I believe, through this whole movie, that he is enamored with her, even yeah. when he doesn't like her. I felt as though it was a little rushed when we're supposed, like, I don't believe that she gives him anything back. No. She's more like there, he's like, oh, do you want to meet and run into each other again? She's like, sure. Yeah. I don't, I just don't believe that when she d- he does reveal himself to her and she says, I wanted it to be you. Yeah. Great line, by the way. Yeah. I don't believe that yet.
1: I, that's the thing is, I don't think she does either, but what do you do in that moment? You have to say, you have to dive in and then just see where it goes. I would
0: say, get out of here. I'm waiting for a Yeah. No. I'd be like, why'd you, ca-? like we, but the it's dog so callback rude. was clever because- he did tell her his dog's name already. Yeah. The and then he's like, letters. Brinkley! And then he shows
1: up, and he looks cute in his little jacket.
0: Again, I'm sad, because Brinkley's dead. This All is... of dogs in movies makes me so sad, because I know that they're dead. If
1: you watch a movie with us... The second a dog comes on the screen, we go, dog's dead. If there's a cat, we go, oh, the cat
0: could be alive. Could, cat could be alive. 1998, cat could be alive. I just, it we makes know. me so sad. But how wonderful would it be to be like, oh, that's my dog. I'm just going to watch You've Got Mail again because that's my dog in there. Oh, that'd be so Forever nice. Forever and ever. Probably just how like Tom Hanks' family minus Chet will feel when he passes away one day of a very old age and they'll be like, we can just watch Dad whenever we want. That's true. That would be weird. Weird, for sure. That would be weird. To have Dad kiss another women. Yeah, right. And interviews yeah. and photos. That would be weird. So weird. Him as Forrest Gump. Him I in space. think you called it exactly. This movie would be mastermind.
1: It, yeah. It, but I know it, the intentions are good. That's not, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying that, like, he's literally living every man's fantasy because men's biggest fear is rejection. And he's, like, making sure he will not be rejected by her. But that's why when you say she gives nothing back, she's not in on it. She doesn't
0: know. No, I don't think, like, okay, not giving anything back. I just wish, I think we had about 20 minutes of them becoming friends yeah i think i just wish there was maybe something else yeah that happened and maybe there is in deleted scenes where it was just a little more where you're like maybe she there are moments where you can see that she's surprised by his kindness she's surprised by how much she enjoys it but i just wish there was something else you know what there should have been what a great plot
1: point to put in would have been if like his grandfather died Mm-hmm. And then she would, she was there for him. Because mm-hmm. then you'd be like, oh, she sees this as something, too. She can be there for him. Or something. Because yeah. that's, like, a good test of a relationship anyway. If something, like, horrible happens, you see how the person reacts and, and handles it and treats you. And maybe that would have been a good, like, if they threw in some kind of trauma for one of them, some kind of tragic event. Or, like, his his little brother was in, like, a sea like doo accident and they all had to go to the hospital and she shows up. Right. You know, like, something like that to show that, like, she's invested beyond just going to get coffee. Right. Or something like that. I think that could have... Edge that forward because it's to her yeah it seemed casual on her end
0: yeah so one of the things I think that logically you and I think about is how could she be with somebody who she believes put her out of business even though she says throughout this movie there's the business isn't personal versus the it was personal to me yeah in an interview with Vanity Fair they did like this whole oral history with the stars for one of the anniversaries of You've Got Mail and Heather Burns who played Christina, The one of the bookstore employees, says, I was really young and really idealistic, and I got a little mad that she ends up with the guy who's putting her out of business. And Nora said to me, quote, Heather, the older you get, you're going to realize that things change, and there's not very much that you can do about it. And the city changes, and that's just the way it is. End quote. And as I've gotten older, I've realized she was right, that things change, especially in New York. It's mm-hmm. just constantly changing for better or for worse, both at the same time. Wow, beautiful. It that's is. Bad. I think you could I think you could forgive somebody who puts you out of business because I don't think for her I could see it as freeing and she does allude to it that it's freeing that she no longer yeah. has the shop. That's the thing, her it doesn't seem to have these very
1: complicated feelings about I did cry story.
0: when there was the twirling scene though. I think
1: that was meant to
0: to give give a little tear jerk. What do you think of the reveal in terms of rom com like history like what where does that rank as it was it a great ending. was it is there any other movie where you don't that
1: one of the characters doesn't even know who what the person they're in love with looks like until the last five minutes
0: i can only think of roxanne with steve martin
1: (laughs) i can't think of any it's a very interesting rom-com reveal that they to have someone they have all these moments throughout this movie where you're like they're so cute together but she doesn't know she's in love with him even though she knows him very odd but uh, great reveal
0: i thought i love the way they did it i think his speech Mm -hmm. is what makes this aside from the whole aesthetic and whole feeling of this movie is his last speech to her is what makes this so sweet even when he goes don't cry shop girl i thought that was so adorable yeah they're, it was very sweet. And there and is was, one part where the dog sweet. kind of humps them while they're kissing. Yeah. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. I'd let it go. Brinkley, get in on it.
1: <laughs> He's just very excited. So I had, I had questions for you. Please. Okay, first. Could you fall in love with someone through their writing? Emails? Or do you mean any piece of writing? No, I mean like... Communication where you don't know what they look like, you've never talked to them on the phone. It's never even been back and forth. Quick, could you ever think that like could you fall in love? With, basically, could you fall in love with someone's mind, having never met them, not knowing like how they walk, they talk, I how they
0: smell? Think well. The only thing I could say the equivalent would be is like when you get into a text communication from online dating yeah but even then you know you have one picture and it could be a catfish picture that's true again meg ryan could have been catfish this whole time yeah so i think you can fall in lust with someone's writing in mind but i don't think you can fall in love with someone's writing in mind like enough to like abandon your relationship no No. not at all
1: what about you into
0: no no
1: i'm someone who'll be like you're cute we'll get to know each other later We'll figure it out. Like, I need... I I need to know how tall you are before we even have a conversation. Oh, I, I need to hear your voice. Exactly. What if it's high-pitched? Ex- this was... So, when I was single, I had... We, we call it the year of D. I just ran through them. It just took a year to just hit... Glow days. Yeah. Glow, Glow days. It was a good time. My... It, that was something I encountered. There's certain things that I... You don't know until you meet someone. One is... Yeah, high-pitched voice. One is their actual height. Another is, do they soft touch? I'm very much against soft touching. Are their fingers too skinny? Ooh. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of those, like, vibey, like, no, that you don't quite fit with me. And it's different for different people, but I think, like, the physicality of someone, and, like, I'm attracted to all types. Like, it's not like I'm, like, oh, they have to look, at I don't care what they, look like.
0: You're Ellis Island. everyone can come here give me your poor what is it your week whatever it is I don't know I'm Canadian open for business let's just
1: use the Ontario slogan I'm open for business (laughs) yours to discover Ontario (laughs) yours to discover I yeah I'm not I'm not someone who's like a six-pack abs or blue eyes or uh, none of that stuff's a requirement for me I love that I'm married and I'm even talking about this but listen we
0: suspend
1: Reality yes. on this pod,
0: yes. We're in rom-com worlds talking about
1: romance. If I was her, the thought—do I want the man in front of me or the man I might meet? It'd be the man in front of me,
0: Cause, really. Yeah, because you—you already—you already know. Like, if you're into it, you're into it. If it was versus, if it was Greg Kinnear versus this person who I don't know what they look like but they could be the man of my dreams the commitment phobe in me would have gone for taking the shot on somebody who I don't know you know
1: what actually I think if I was Tom Hanks and the emails didn't slow down as I was trying to like kind of woo her in real life I'd be like she's not that into me because you'd think that like she would start pulling away from the email guy, or at least mention, like, I've been hanging out with this person. I didn't think of that. Because, yeah, wouldn't you... If she actually liked me for me, for all of it, and not just for, like, this idealized version of how I talk about myself, but if she liked me for me, she'd start pulling
0: away from that other person. The same for the best. His reputation's (laughs) never been worse. Fox Books. But she must must like like me for me. Yeah. One, two, three, let's go, bitch! (laughs) I... I never thought of that. That is a really good... But he always kind of keeps tabs on this guy and he negs her about him. Yeah. Like where she's like 152 felonies, 152... What was it? There's a lot of fat phobia at the end.
1: Yes. But he also convinces her that maybe he's married and he's hiding it from her. And then when he replies, his own reply, then he goes, he didn't say no. He didn't say he wasn't married. Like he's just... He's... From all sides, messing with her. Yeah, and I again, I know it's kind of like lighthearted, but at the end of the day, he knows what's happening and she doesn't know. Well, I don't like you know what it is. I don't like being duped. I, I hate like April Fool's
0: Day. I don't like pranks. I'd feel like I was pranked. I love a ruse, and even in the song Mastermind, she goes, "You knew the entire time. You knew that I'm a mastermind." I don't think my granny knew the entire thing. No, but I think she doesn't care because I think she's just so probably exhausted.
1: Yeah, well, she's a woman in her 30s living in New York.
0: Yeah. I think I. It's not a big deal to me really that he's Joe Fox. He's that he put her out of business. It's more. It is a little creepy, but that he was lying to her. But I love a ruse in movies. I love the threat of being found out. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's along the lines though of when and she's
1: all that she realizes. Am I a bet? She can come around after, but when she realizes that she was a bet and that he wasn't hanging out with her because. He liked her, even though he did like her. Freddie Prince Jr., obviously. Who, how can you not like Rachel Lee Cook? But, like, when she finds out that really the reason he started hanging out with her and initiated a relationship with her is because... It doesn't matter why. Yeah. So he... It's the same... And, like, same with 10 Things I Hate About You. He was paid to hang out with her. When she finds that out, she's pissed with him but the, i know they come around after but if i was bang ryan my initial
0: reaction would be like you d-. yeah i think when the credits roll after they're kissing in the park to somewhere over the rainbow <laughs> they probably go get coffee yeah, would, and are like she's like what the fuck i'd be like you're the gonna buy whatever i want well that's like the great scene in cinematic history when sally field finds out that robin williams was mrs doubtfire and she yeah. goes the whole time i have to go we have to go whole time the whole time the whole time the whole time, whole time. That's the best scene. I think like that's that anger would have been warranted. But after his Fox Books speech, oh fuck, love I it. I
1: a, loved it. She's just such a romantic. I think that like, true, didn't occur to her. But I'm someone who like, I have my feelings get hurt. True. I don't like being duped. True. So which character do you relate to the most?
0: That's a good question. Maybe George, who thinks he's a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not Meg Ryan. I wrote Meg Ryan for
1: myself. Why? Tell me. Failed entrepreneur? (laughs) Questionable hair? What do you mean?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was just in my mind. I was like, I'm so proud she's choosing a main Main character character as who she sees herself as. She's a heavily flawed main character. She's a romantic. You're a romantic.
1: Yeah, and also, I'm someone who, like, somehow always falls upwards. Like, she, you know, loses her bookstore and then becomes a book writer slash editor. I don't really know what the, the role she ends I think in. she's a children's writer. Yeah, so, like, I'm someone that, like, yeah, like, I closed a business, but I always, like, stumble upwards somehow. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, right.
0: Interesting. Not because I'm a main character. But you are. But uh, Sure. Small business owner. <laughs> You've got the heart of a small business... For sure. No, I don't really, um, I don't see myself in any of these characters, to be honest. No? No. You've never mastermind to get someone to date you? No. Failed every time.
1: (laughs) I'm not mastermind material. Maybe you're like Parker Posey. You're like very career-minded, and then you don't realize that the men are no longer interested in you because you're just talking about your life.
0: No, I think I, I I realize they never were. Yeah. Um no, I, I really don't uh see myself in any of these people to be to be fair. oh huh. So There isn't a ton to pick from. There really isn't. Brinkley. I'm Brinkley. <laughs> Humping your leg. Beautiful hair. Beautiful hair. Oh. Recast. Okay. Do you have do you oh okay. Do you have
1: people you want or people you know they wanted?
0: No, I think this was meant the entire time for Tom and Meg. That's good to hear, because that's what we thought was Runaway Bride. Like, of course. Of course they brought them back together for this movie, but that wasn't the case. I did my research. I did not find any other casting rumors. Um, Wow. And I think knowing that this was supposed to be a part two for Sleepless in Seattle, one can only assume it was always supposed to be Meg, Ryan, and Tom Hanks. I said for Tom Hanks' role... Mm Mm-hmm. Stay with me here, Denzel Washington. Interesting. Or Robert Downey Jr. Hmm. I don't particularly
1: like either of them. As pe- I can't... Has has Denzel been any in anything where he's a romantic? Like, I really like that movie where he's, like, a paralyzed cop and then Angelina Jolie has to do all the work for him solving murders. Bone collector?
0: And then they fall in love? No, I just That's think like that, like... That's, the most romantic movie I've seen him in. There was a, There's a person... Like, personability to both of those men... Yeah. To Denzel. Because I feel like him and Tom Hanks are the same caliber of actor. Sure, yeah. And so I was like, I would have loved to see Denzel in a rom-com. We never really did. We never have. Yeah, I wonder how that would go. I think I was just thinking of Philadelphia. (laughs) And I was like... Put, put Besties, Denzel in. Yeah. And then for Robert Downey Jr., I'm thinking of like the Iron Man kind of smugness that I think mm. they meant for Joe Fox mm-hmm. to have. But because Tom Hanks is so likable, I think like even his smarminess was taken as mm-hmm. or ready for this little Fox Books employee, baby, Christmasina, <laughs> yes. who I always when I saw him in it, I screamed. I know I did, too. Castellano! I, I was named. love Chris Messina so fucking much. Such a baby. Such a baby. Such a baby. And then would work with Nora again on Julie and Julia. Oh, that's true. That movie will come up. It will. Um also Che is the grocery checkout. Person. That's right. Sara Ramirez. Just checking out. I just went, che! I Hate Che. <laughs> and hate a Che in this too. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of a dick in this. <laughs> who for San- for um, meg ryan i always say it sandy b well yeah they're interchangeable in my opinion i think so too that's true that's sandra bullock for anyone who doesn't know <laughs> in my mind sandy b
1: um as you'll see in spoiler next week's movie the way she she is kind of like a similar thoughtful introverted character in the lake house Sandy B. So I do see, like, yeah, it could be a good cross. I wrote, first of all, I think Richard Gere would be a perfect replacement for Tom Hanks I'd love that. We we know him as Rich. We know him as, like... He does Rich really well. He does. I think he'd be great in this role. He does Trickster really well, too. Yeah. Um, I also wrote just based on the hair, Reese Witherspoon would have fit.
0: And I this, said that. T- I said that too.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. And then, further based on the hair, I was like, I know these people hate each other in real life. What if we like modernized it? Ellen DeGeneres and Rosie O'Donnell, because Rosie O'Donnell's a great physical comedian. They don't like each other. They don't like each
0: other in real life. I know, but maybe in the '90s they did. They did. There so you they go. used to. But then I think Rosie was on Watch What Happens Live and said that. Ellen said she didn't consider her a friend, and I Rosie know. was really hurt. But I still think mm. it'd be good. I can't think of any other famous lesbians. That would be great. Sarah Paulson. Who would she? Do you think she'd be a Tom Hanks? No, Sarah would be a Meg. You think so? I think she. She can do anything. And then maybe give her a
1: wig and she changes personality. Who's
0: another famous lesbian? Maybe Maria Bello.
1: Do I even know who Maria Bello? Is?
0: I can't tell you. I don't know <laughs> what she's been in.
1: I'm like Wanda Sykes. Like I, I Wanda could do it. What we'll about Tig Notaro as Tom Joe, Hanks, Joe Fox, and then Sarah, Sarah Paulson. Paulson? Ooh, I'd watch that. I'd watch the shit out of that movie. I'd be hot too. I'd be much more invested in. Like, are they gonna fuck? I think That's there needs I'd to want.
0: be a count for how many times I miss mention Sandra B or. Christmasina, and you mentioned Tignataro.
1: Tignataro and Bill Pullman, which I did mention Bill Pullman in this episode as well. Yeah. I love Bill Pullman. And then I also thought if we were going to flip that and in modern times, and I know this has kind of been done already, but Timothy Chalamet. Really? As, yeah, as like the quaint, I was thinking literally like the Willy Wonka Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> like, listen up and sit down listen or listen. <laughs> I can't even say it backwards. And, but then Ryan Gosling as the, the rich, kind of funny, physical
0: comedy guy. Are they, they supposed they- to be lovers? Yeah, in a dangerous time. I think Ryan Gosling would be a great Joe Fox. Yeah. Timothy, I don't think, has the... I think he has that, like, meekness to him. Timmy needs nothing, because he's perfect. Like, I think he's <laughs> perfect. I think he's my son, yeah. whom I love. Like, I'm like a big stepmother energy mm-hmm. with him, but... I don't. Yeah, I. I think it's really interesting how specifically with this type of man who's like he's not. We don't see Tom Hanks ever working out in this movie. No. He's not playing a sport because usually they'll be like, and then he was shooting hoops. He's, the gods oh, is when they talk about
1: it, what happened? Yeah, is when they're playing basketball. Exactly. Oh, I've been, t- I've been emailing this girl.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or they're playing. They're they're shooting bucket of balls. That's true. So there's like this. He's a really specific type of man. Yeah. Who's not aggro but is a little smug. What about Dan Levy as Meg Ryan and then Pedro Pascal as Tom Hanks? I think uh, I think Pedro can do anything he wants. Exactly. To anyone. He's a gay cowboy. Yeah. What about uh, <laughs> Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> Who would be you? No, it's too level of a playing field. I think Jake would be Joe Fox and Heath would be Meg Ryan. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that one. I think uh who else i kind of thought like maybe carrie washington too oh she could be a meg ryan in this what if you just switched the gender roles and it was like a woman
1: played joe fox and a man played
0: so interesting yeah. because we were talking a little bit about how it's creepy it might be a little bit um fatal attraction Mm-hmm. if a woman mastermind this much for a guy what if it was like j-lo though because oh, J-Lo, j-lo can do anything j-lo's good at being sincere in movies too what if it was a geely re-team <laughs> does j-lo that? as meg does anyone want this i do ben affleck as joe fox no i'd flip it j-lo is that bitch you know who else could have done it Vince Vaughn. Mmm. He would have I been a great him. Joe Fox. I love Vince. He would have been perfect, actually. I find Vince Vaughn so
1: attractive. That actually, might be the best. Like you could swap, and you wouldn't even. Absolutely. I know you find Vince Vaughn. You've always found Vince Vaughn so attractive. I think if anyone's listening, they're like, "Is she okay?" I like how confident he is when he talks. Yes, that's what it is. And he talks so fast, be like this. Yes, yeah, but he's so
0: like confident about it. When we get to the breakup, oof! It's over for you. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I love that movie, too. I agree with you. Yes. Just another disclaimer. Our husbands know this is how we talk, by the oh, way. We talk, like, that to him. To, to his face. Yeah. And I and I encourage him to speak to the vote that, to me.
1: <laughs> I do not encourage it. No? No. One time he's like, I think Charlize Theron's hot. And since then, I'm like, Charlize Theron's my enemy. No, I think she's hot, too. <laughs> Ugh, young adult. Her greatest <laughs> well, that's, work. He loves young adult. He talks about it all the time.
0: Loves- I also think Charlize, when she was in Aeon Flux with her, like, br- black hair, mm. fantastic. I usually am not... Not for Blondes Going Dark, but she looked great there. She was, uh, she's great bald. She's great. And it's interesting because by now, I think, like, when this podcast comes out, everybody will... Meg Ryan just announced she's directing a new rom-com that's coming out with David Duchovny. Yeah, and specifically inspired by
1: Nora Ephron and how she wrote and those movies. She's, Fantastic. It's it's like it's meant to be. It's it a Meg
0: ryan That's
1: That's crazy.
0: I feel like Meg Ryan kind of got the shitty part of, like, the way women age in hollywood yeah because i think i'm just gonna say it she had that scandalous relationship with russell Crowe, mm-hmm. tarnished reputation then she was with john mellencamp for a while she kind of disappeared i think like in the cut was supposed to be like her big gritty return to screen mm-hmm. and then she did like some other works where she like wrote and directed some stuff but i feel like she's one of the women who really got fucked over by aging in hollywood
1: yeah because i think some of them found a way to morph around it and find roles and she just was it's almost like people like this is your place and if you're not
0: in that place anymore and maybe she chose to like walk away because like she has i don't know how many kids they have but look at jack quaid now jack quaid is like an actor maybe she really just needed was like i'm tired of this i gave you all of my 20s and 30s yeah but I
1: always saw her as kind of similar to Renee Zellweger. They kind of were around at the same time and then kind of fell off at the same time. But Renee's found a way to like be Oscar worthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's pulled it back together and she's but she's choosy. She's not in our face anymore.
0: No. But I hope I hope Meg Ryan figures it out. And comes I, back. I always wonder like so like with actors like Meg Ryan who are in these beloved movies timeless movies but don't have the critical accolades like what is your measure of success like mm-hmm. listen i know you don't like Katy perry <laughs> but like Katy perry never won a grammy yeah but does that take away from everything else that she's done but then there's you know tom hanks two-time oscar winner like, Meryl Streep, like, what is it? Two, is she a two-time Oscar winner? Or she got more? I don't nominated know. Nominated, like, 11 or 12 times. Let's see. Meryl has three Oscars. Two for Best Actress, one for Supporting Actress. Wow. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, is it enough that you're in these cultural touchstones when Harry met Sally, you've got mail, sleepless in Seattle. Or does it still, you know, gnaw at you that you didn't get maybe the critical acclaim that you feel like you deserve? Well, what do you think about, like, with your own job? Would it mean more to you that the world loves you or that your colleagues love you? So I think there is, like, a thing where I, when I started, I was like, I want to write something that really moves people. Yeah. And now I just... And we're, it goes back to what we're talking about, this small but valuable life. I would rather be an employable person Yeah. than... And like coachable, then be an MVP. I'm I'm not employable. <laughs> no, I am an employable person. Are you? Would you say you're coachable?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm a weird. I, I'm basically flower. Great movie. I, I can become anything you need
0: me to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I'm not MVP. I'm. The next to the imposter syndrome in the dictionary is a picture of me. I'm, I do not come in confident. I With
0: your in. little Lion King picture. Yeah. When you're wearing your Lion King sweater. <laughs> if anyone doesn't follow Chrissy on Instagram, her profile picture is from a class photo where she's wearing a Lion King sweater. It's grade one. Love it. And my hair is
1: just a complete disaster. I love it. I, and even my TikTok photo, it's just a different, I think it's grade two. It's my other photo. I love it. I don't like to be on the internet. I know, but we're doing it, baby. <laughs> you can have my voice yeah, But you can't have the rest of me. I had one other notable thing in this movie. It was very nostalgic. Singing Annie at Thanksgiving for your family.
0: <laughs> I was cackling. It's like a 90s baby tradition. Like, <laughs> I was always, there is like a TikTok thing of like kids performing and taking performing so seriously in front of their families. Yeah. I was that kid who was yeah. like, before we eat, let me perform Little yeah. Drummer Boy for you all. Yes, we're the same way exactly but Annie specifically wow and we didn't mention this but you and I texted about it about the dad who's been married a bunch of times it was big maid of honor vibes and yeah. if you know of any other movie where that is a thing of multiple marriages for a dad we are gonna start making
1: a bingo card if you can point that out again yeah yeah cause that's that's a pretty funny one
0: and also I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the sound of dial up internet right off the bat that's the first sound you hear in this movie it's very exciting it takes me back I hated the intro, the the opening song. Was it? I don't even know the chorus. It was terrible.
1: I don't know. It the intro did not match the movie at all. Even no. the title "You've Got Mail" is like up on the corner of a dark black screen. It was not. It did not bring the vibes initially.
0: It got there, but the title was supposed to be "You Have Mail," but I don't believe AOL trademarked oh. "You've Got Mail," so they went with "You've Got Mail" wow. instead. You have, you you. have mail. <laughs> Pos- Male. Also, well- <laughs> n- another factoid, which is not really important, but to train for this movie, Meg Ryan worked in a bookshop for like a week. Both Meg and Tom did.
1: That's a dumb. There's people who learn to play the drums for their roles and they're you like, know. we got like right in there in the nitty gritty and <laughs> worked in a bookshop, backbreaking work method. Still working in a bookshop, I think I could pretend I know how to work. It. Yeah. Cause she's like, did you see the spine of the book? Like she's never I know. seen a book. <laughs> wow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real immersive
0: experience. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you for the fact. You're welcome. So we like to end every episode with the box office performance of our movies. This movie had a 65 million US dollars budget, and it did 250.8 million US dollars in the box office. Wow, they'd be
1: happy with that. That's I wonder if good. like if Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have like they get residuals from that as well, or like what's the what's the word?
0: Yeah, I guess residuals are yeah. like. They, like a you, portion of the box office. If you're a really
1: big star, you you can negotiate to get like a portion of it because initially they could have paid them each, you know, like I two think. million, four million, or something out of that sixty-five million dollar budget. But that earning, if they were, you know, their agents were smart, they probably would have got quite a bit of money after. Yeah, that's great. Good for you. Yeah, good, good for you. Good job. Okay, so let's do our 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 comfort rating on this.
0: I'm originally I was going to say seven out of yeah. ten. But Tom Hanks's speech alone bumps me up to an 8.25 plastic bags of goldfish out of 10.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. You know what? I actually found the movie like a little slow to start. And I actually had trouble getting into it. But then by the end, it, like, it won me over. So I gave it 7.8 macchiatos decaf nonfat, which is his exact order, <laughs> out of 10. I love it. I couldn't, it's hard to, that was grammatically incorrect, but that's how we ordered it. Macchiato, decaf, non-fat, which is perfect. So good. I don't even, I don't know if a man today would have the balls to order (laughs) that. No. Oh, good. Trente. In front of a woman he's trying to impress? I'll be shitting all day. Yeah, I already had the the bodega coffee down the street. I don't pay more than twenty five in my coffee. That's, yeah. that's what I would have done to impress her.
0: So good. That was great. As always, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Comfort Watch Podcast. Email us at comfortwatchpod at gmail.com. If you could like us, leave a five-star review, we always appreciate it. And until next time, we'll be watching The Lake House next week. Mm-hmm. Stay comfy. Stay cozy. Bye-bye. bye bye